only my second time in my life I've been in your area. And uh, so we're, I'm, I'm personally excited about that. And uh, we, we thought it already looked, had kind of that, uh, that sh- shoreline look in the area, even though we came in later last night. And so we didn't see anything, um, you know, except a beautiful sunset last night. That was, that was pretty, pretty cool. But uh, anyway, we're looking forward to being around during the daytime. Uh, where we can see more things, but uh, anyway, I am Ben Everson, as Pastor already mentioned, and uh, this is 20 years full-time that we've been on the road, and we have, uh, I, my wife will be here tonight, she's just a little under the weather here this morning, she actually has epilepsy, and although that in and of itself is not usually a problem at all, uh, she can tend to get more tired, and uh, when she gets more tired, more prone to you know, get sick or struggle, things like that. So I, I told her, I said, I've got to have you the rest of the week uh, to do our music. So, uh, so this is the game that she gets to sit out, right, and recover and everything. But she'll be here tonight. She could have come this morning, uh, but I, uh, as husband, just really said, hey, it's going to be okay. People are going to understand. Uh, it's not going to be a problem. So she'll be here tonight. So uh, she's, uh, her name is Amanda, and we'll introduce her this evening. I do have three of my four kids still traveling with us, and uh, Elena is in the back, and there she is. Go ahead and wave to everybody. There she is. All right. She's about the same height sitting down as standing up, right, babe? Right, 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 daughter? Uh, it's, uh, it's uh, of course, you got the heels on today, so it'd be a little bit different, but uh, we're so glad she is still traveling with us. She already graduated, but um, we are really close as a family after 20 years on the road. And she said, hey, I want to keep traveling a little bit. She'll be done after this, uh, after Christmas. And she'll be moving on. I don't want to steal your thunder, so I won't tell them what you're going to do. We'll do that during introductions tonight uh, and, uh, and such. But you can ask her personally, all right, what she's going to be planning on doing. It probably is not what you would expect. All right, uh, let's see. Next, we've got Darren. Darren is up here in the front. Go ahead and wave to everybody, Darren. Darren is a senior in high school, and uh, uh, he will also be done at Christmas, and it's stealing a little bit of your thunder, uh, but uh, he'll be heading to college next fall, and so we're letting him, since she's already stopping, at the same time, we're going to let him stop too, so he can get a job and start saving those pennies and nickels and dimes and whatever else. Of course, nobody has change anymore, uh, so uh, I don't know what we'll do with that, but uh, anyway, he'll start uh, saving up for college, and then we've got Brandon with us, kid number four. Why don't you wave to everybody? There he is, and, uh, and he's a ball of energy, which is good because I need that, uh, but he, he is a 10th grader and uh, does a wonderful job, and uh, he will also, everyone will give you a little bit of a of a sneak peek, I guess, of what they're planning on doing as the Lord allows. We do have one more. Uh, He's 21. His name is Miles, and uh, he is actually living in Pensacola, Florida, which is where we have a rental home uh, there. And uh, when the pandemic hit, we were actually in the middle. We had no, by choice, we had no uh, fifth wheel trailer and we had no uh, house. We were literally, I mean, there's two ways to look at it. You could say we were homeless. Uh, which is technically true, but we lived full-time in meetings and traveled around and just did profits chambers and uh, Airbnbs. That was, that was pretty neat. Get to stay in some pretty cool places. Uh, and, uh, and we had a vehicle that was 100% paid off during that time, and, and everything was just a really great time. The pandemic hit, 
And I thought as a dad, you know, I don't know what the future holds. We probably need to have a place where if things, if we can't keep doing what we're doing, we need to have a place that we can call home. So uh, we settled in the Pensacola area. I am not on staff at Pensacola Christian College. A lot of people think I am. And part of that is due to the fact that in one of their handouts when I was speaking, they accidentally wrote in there because one of their people thought I was on staff. They actually wrote that I was, uh, and which is really nice, but uh, I'm not. Uh, but uh, we do things with the college there, but uh, we're, we're not uh, affiliated with the college in that sense. But uh, just a little bit, uh, I, I was born and raised in Michigan. Please don't hold that against me. I'm not a Wolverine fan. I'm actually a Spartan. We had a horrible day yesterday, uh, but uh, that's okay. My parents met at Michigan State, and that's where my mother witnessed to my father. And uh, he was a Catholic, good Catholic boy, uh, playing uh, jazz rock on saxophone in nightclubs and bars and things like that to make his way through college. And uh, he met this fiery witness, this uh, Latina uh, girl named Gloria Ortega, and uh, she said, you can know your sins are forgiven. He said, no, you can't. Not until you get there. You've got to find out how much you've got to pay. Right? You've got to pay extra. Purgatory, right? I mean, you've got to pay. You've got to... Right? And, and so he was, he was thinking that. No, yes, you can. No, you can't. Yes, you can. No, you can't. Right? Sounds like a Broadway song, you know? Uh, back and forth, right? And uh, so finally, they, were, they had started dating. And uh, finally, they, they broke up. And uh, actually, it was my dad. I just found this out last year. I thought she broke up with him because he, he wasn't a Christian. It was actually he breaking up with her because he said, you can't date me and be true to your faith. Isn't that something? Uh, I didn't know that until last year. I always assumed it was the other way. So, uh, but uh, then he started studying the Bible on his own. And you know what, friends? When you start digging in to the Word of God on your own and just for yourself, there's something special about that. I really believe that. The Holy Spirit sees that. The Holy Spirit starts working. The Bible says He illuminates. It's like He turns on the flashlight to His Word. After all, He's the author of it. Right? The person that you could talk to to learn the most, our, our, our oldest son, Miles, he wrote a 600-page novel. And uh, it's on Amazon. And uh, he did a wonderful job with that. It took him four years uh, from start to finish to do that thing. Well, if you want to ask about the world that he created, who's the one to ask? Well, it's him because he wrote it. And anyway, my dad uh, started reading and, and, uh, and uh, trusted Christ. And uh, I will say this, and we'll move on. He went over to my mom's dorm, my mom tells me, knocked on the door and said, Gloria, I trusted Christ. And she said, yeah, right. And, uh, you know, slammed the door. <laughs> she thought he was just trying to get back together with her, you know. Then she saw the reality of it in his life. And I'm so glad that, uh, that um, the Holy Spirit uh, stepped into my family. And, of course, that was before I was in even exi in, in existence. Uh, but uh, then they got married to 1975, 1977. I was born. You can figure out how old I am. I'm 45. I'll save you the trouble. Um, I don't mind being 45. To some of you, that's going to be young. To some of you, that's going to be super old. I'm okay with where I am. Uh, we all have the same amount. The time goes the same speed for all of us, and our job is to make the most of it for the Lord. And uh, so I was called to preach as a sophomore in Christian high school. And uh, I know not all Christian schools are created equal. Some are wonderful. Some are terrible. Uh, I had the privilege at that time to go to a good one. And uh, uh, the, the same church that we're sent out of now, they've known me since I was born practically. And I actually, even though I didn't do everything right, 
all right? I had struggles just like anyone else. I actually listened and I absorbed, even when my teachers thought I wasn't, uh, I was absorbing. I learned about 75% of my Bible doctrine before I ever left high school, just because I decided, you know what? Uh, I want to listen to my teachers. I want to listen to my pastor. I want to listen to my dad, who, even though he uh, is not, was not in the ministry, he did spend uh, some time at Northland Baptist Bible College on faculty, um, but uh, he wasn't a pastor or anything like that, but he loves studying the Word of God and, uh, and teaching Sunday school and such. And so we have a library of books at home when I was growing up. And so uh, even though um, uh, I, lear- I, I went to Maranatha for a while, I finally graduated from uh, Northland Baptist Bible College, and, uh, but I was already traveling in the summers, uh, feeling like the Lord wanted me on the road somehow. And so even though we didn't step out full-time until 2003, itinerantly, I actually was traveling in the summers in high school, putting together music teams and going to different churches and such like that. And I went through a lengthy biography a little bit just because I want you to know who I am. My, my goal for this week is if the Lord would allow, I would love to see God's people encouraged in the walk with the Lord. Encourage, N. E-N, courage. It means to put courage into. And if there's ever a time when we need some courage, I think it's now. I think it's now. Grab your Bibles, if you would, please, this morning. I already am taking a risk, I realize that, by not wearing a tie. I did bring one with me. I'll put one on for the, for the, for the morning service. It, it doesn't make you more godly, all right? I, 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 amen. Some of you are like, Amen. Uh, it doesn't, it's just part of the, uh, the superhero outfit is what I say. Uh, it's part of the thing. Uh, but uh, as a singer and as a bigger guy, it kind of helps to not have that. So uh, I had a vocal injury back in 2015 where uh, I couldn't sing. And uh, some of you, perhaps, if you were following our ministry, by the way, am I loud enough? This is a new deal here that we're doing. Can you all hear me all right? All right. <laughs> if you can't hear me, raise your hand. Right, right. But uh, yes, I I was losing my voice to silent reflux, which is acid reflux, but it's also called singer's reflux. A lot of opera singers get it, Uh, and uh, you don't know that you have it, and it just, at night, it it burns your vocal folds. And so uh, I was put on vocal rest for three months, where I wasn't allowed to talk, and that was difficult, but praise the Lord, I got 95% of my voice back. Uh, but I do try to be extra careful with it as we travel, as you can imagine. A lot of evangelistic teams, they have a music team that does most of the music, and then the preacher preaches, and they're not usually the same person. Uh, in our respect, I, especially with the kids graduating out, this will be even more so, but in our group, I'm doing all the preaching, unless you want my wife to preach. She can preach. Um, <laughs> hopefully, I think you have a sense of humor. I can sense that. <laughs> Uh, but uh, uh, I do the preaching and then most of the singing too. And so any little thing that I can use to help is great. All right, Genesis chapter 1, verse number 1. We're going to start here, and by the end of the week, we'll be through the whole Bible. I'm just kidding. <laughs> now, brother, you, you brought, uh, I don't know where you went, but you brought, a, you brought us uh, some water bottles, which is great. But I'm also noticing that there is a, seems to be a fresh cup of water in the pulpit. This is for me? This isn't from last week? or, Okay. Oh, good. Thank you. Tershatha, right? 
Nehemiah, you know, the t tasting the, the, the king's stuff. How about that? All right. Most, if not all of you, are going to be pretty familiar with this verse. In the beginning, God. Dear Lord, thank you for Sunday school. Thank you for these people. Lord, would you help us this morning? You know my heartbeat, my desire is that your people would be encouraged. And Lord, if there's people this morning or any time this week that are watching online or come and visit, whatever, or maybe are members here. Uh, I'm going to a good church is a wonderful thing. But Lord, it doesn't guarantee spiritual growth. So Lord, I pray if there's lost people, they'd be saved, that if we're tempted to be backslidden in our hearts, Lord, that you would wake us up. We just trust you for this week in your name. Amen. If you have a problem with the first four words of the Bible, you're going to have a problem with the rest of it. In the beginning, God. Everything starts with God. I'm, I, I know it, it might seem to be an obvious thing, but... You know, it's vitally important that we believe this and we embrace it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You know, the foundation of everything is God. Why is that? Well, if God is the creator, then He has the right to do with His creation as He wishes. How many of you remember Legos? By the way, I spent this long time researching if it's Lego or Legos, the plural, because we all say Legos for the plural, right? And, uh, and it, come to find out, it's either. So <laughs> I was like, oh, fine. So you can say Legos or, uh, or Lego. It's kind of like, I thought it was like deer. You know, these are the important things in life. You've got to figure out what's the plural of Lego, okay? Uh, but, you know, these little building blocks, now they've got all kinds of fancy kits that you can buy that make all kinds of things. You know, you can build your own, you know, nuclear plant if you want to power everything. I'm kidding. Uh, but it seems like that, and they've got all these specialized pieces. When I had Legos, you know, the Legos that I had were basically like blocks. That was it. Four, eight, two, one, all these things. And so I would build all these things, right? And I'm the oldest of five, and uh, I had uh, younger siblings, and every once in a while, one of them would run into my room or whatever, they would play with the thing that I had built, and they'd wreck it. And, uh, you know, the rule was, if you built it, well, then, you know, you got to, at least for that day or whatever, maybe you had to put it back so that the blocks could be used for somebody else. <clears throat> But if, if you built it, then you know, you could, you're the one that could, could use that. You could build it how you want it to. It may not be a perfect illustration, but God is the one that put us together. God is the one that created humanity. God is the one that created all that is. So He has the right to determine what happens with it. And really, everything that we see going on around us is a battle over ownership. Everything that we see, whether it's in the, uh, the school systems, uh, what we see coming down politically, etc. And I don't like to think of myself as a political guy. But you kind of have to stick your head in the sand not to see that there's, that there's a battle over ownership. Who owns us? Do we? Or does the Creator? God is the one that created us, so therefore He's the one has the right 
to do with us as he pleases. He's the one that sets the rules. He's the one that determines uh, uh, everything from DNA to how the world works to how our universe works. You know, I don't know when's the last time you went to Genesis chapter number 1 and, and just kind of dwelt on it. I think one of the most encouraging factors that we can draw from this is that if God created you, He knows you better than anyone. He knows, he knows how your brain works. And you ever feel like you're the only one whose brain works the way it does? Right? You're like, ah, I can't express myself. Right? My wife and I, uh, well, everyone has a unique marriage relationship. Those of you who are married, every marriage is unique, okay? Because you're bringing two unique people together. And so it's double unique, you know, uh, and such. But um, a lot of times, you know, there's a little bit of stereotypical, uh, you know, the man doesn't have very many emotions or doesn't show them, and the woman is the one that has more emotions, etc. In our case, uh, it's reversed. So I am more the emotional one, and my wife is the one that really doesn't show a lot of emotion. Now, it doesn't mean she doesn't feel things deeply or whatever. She grew up on the mission field as the oldest of seven kids. Uh, and uh, they had a really rough time of it. It was down in Mexico, and we don't really think of nowadays Mexico being a difficult field because, you know, it's our, our southern neighbor, and we, you know, a lot of times growing up uh, took trips down to Mexico as churches and things like that, but there are places in Mexico that are still really difficult and are not modernized, and uh, when they started off, that was the case which w w where they are. Uh, and they're still ministering in the same central area to this day. My, my in-laws, my parents-in-law. Is that what you call them? Or just in-laws? Parents-in-law? I don't know. You know what I'm talking about. How many have had coffee this morning? Anyone? Okay. Okay, a few of you. Okay. Uh, anyway, but she grew up there and, uh, and just learned. And her personality as well is just kind of, you know, this is her excited. <laughs> this is her kind of, you know, just kind of tired. Right? This is her on her birthday. <laughs> Bloop. You know, that's, that's, you know, blowing out the candle right there. You know, that's, that's my wife. Okay? And, uh, and, and this is me waking up. <laughs> right? Just kind of emotionally. I'm so glad Peter's in the Bible. Anyone else like that? Right? Peter, one moment, he's, you know, got a great revelation that, uh, the, that um, uh, no man hath revealed this unto thee, but God, uh, my Father which is in heaven, right? Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. Huge thing. And then the very next moment, the Lord's like, get thee behind me, Satan. I mean, <laughs> he's, he's like, like this, right? Some of that comes from the music in me, all right? Uh, I'm not a typical musician either. We'll talk about that later on in the week, as I have planned. But uh, I say all that simply to say that... Uh, <laughs> that God knows how I'm built. So what does that mean? Well, if we had a cruel and vengeful God, it would be a scary thing. It would, it would be a fearful thing. In fact, those who don't know God need to remember that it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Because we cannot hide from Him. We can, he knows us better than we do. There's no place that we can go to get away from him. I mean, I, if, if you, boy, if, 
If you're running from God, if, if you've not trusted Christ, oh, that's a scary thing. But for those of us who put our faith and trust in Jesus, this is a comforting thing. If God created you, He knows you better than you know yourself. One of my favorite verses is drawn from the Psalms where it talks about the fact that He knoweth our frame. He remembereth we are but dust. You ever feel like dust? <laughs> Never feel like, ah! When I turned 40, nothing happened. I felt pretty good. Right? Everyone said, 40, oh, you're really going to feel it. I didn't really feel it at 40. But at 41... It was like the warranty ran out. Right? Had my first kidney stone. That was the welcome to 41. I don't recommend that. If you're thinking about getting one, I'd say no. I didn't know what it was. It ended up from start to finish. Oh, and we were moving out of a rental house at that point, and I, was, I thought I'd pull a back muscle. We're traveling all over. We went from Pensacola to Virginia and back the other way, this and that the other way. And, and, uh, and people, uh, I had a job offer I had to really consider. Do I come off the road? Do I stay on the road? All this type of stuff. It was going through my head, and I'm constantly in pain. I can't. What's going on? Finally, three weeks of that, I went to the emergency room. Oh, you got a kidney stone. What? But I was in a different state, and they didn't, oh, well, we don't know. Well, let's try to pass it. Okay, yeah, let's. <laughs> let's do that. It was even more horrible, and then they thought I had kidney cancer, and I mean, you want to talk about all this stuff. You know, one of the most special times, one of the most special seasons of my life will be, I, I knew it wasn't life-threatening, and there might be, I'm probably in a crowd this size, there are some of you, you've dealt with things far more serious than a kidney stone. Maybe you're going through something even right now. I have friends that are facing the big C, and I mean cancer. And, and I've not been through that. I don't know if I'll ever face that or not, but I, my heart goes out. I, I've not experienced that, okay? But kidney stone's pretty painful. And I remember lying there on the couch and thinking about this exact truth. You know, when it talks about reins, thou hast possessed my reins. Remember that? You know the literal word there is the word kidneys? You look it up. You check it out. It literally means kidneys because the idea that thou hast possessed my reins, the idea is that when you feel something in your kidney, <laughs> you react. And I was thinking to myself, you know what? God knows what my kidneys are like. Now, that sounds really strange, right? I was just thinking about my kidneys the other day. You know, when that's a source of pain, you do think about it. But you know what I was thinking there? And I was just trying to breathe and trying to relax. None of the pain meds were working, and they made me have reflux too, which is what I was afraid of because of my voice and all this stuff. And I was just lying there worthless, you know, couldn't do anything to help the family. And we didn't have a house at that time. We had just moved out of the house, so we're just living in prophet's chambers. And, and I'm like, well, what kind of father am I? You know, I mean, all thoughts went through my head. And I started thinking, you know what? God built me. Now, I have a responsibility. In fact, you'll notice those of us, when uh, we have a chance to fellowship with you over some food, I'm on a diet because I'm trying to get back in shape. I have responsibility in that, in that area. 
And I'll tell you, living on the road and everyone treats you really well, you know, plus, you know, it's not like I hate food. <laughs> I love the fellowship and all this. So there's a whole nother thing to that. But you know what? As long as I live, that's going to be one of the sweetest times in my whole life. Because there was a fellowship there in the middle of pain that sometimes there's just certain things that it takes take something that causes pain to spend time with the Lord in a certain way. And I would be lying to you if I said, you know, Lord, please do that again. <laughs> you know, I haven't prayed that. <laughs> but the comfort came when, when I was in that pain and I realized, you know what? The Lord knows exactly what everything looks, looks like and how it operates. It took, from start to finish, it took nine weeks to get rid of that thing. And they had to do multiple operations because it didn't want to come out, etc. Um, and I've already had a second one went, went a lot better <laughs> than the first one. But I say all that simply to say that I think of Genesis 1-1 as a comfort. Go to one more passage, if you would. Colossians chapter 1. It's not exactly a parallel passage, but you're going to see some truths here that really go hand in hand with creation. It's not just God the Father that's present at creation, right? In fact, we see that second verse, uh, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, right? Or that's verse 3. And the Spirit of God is not God's active force. (laughs) Uh, Like the Jehovah's Witnesses will tell you, well, you know, it's not really a person. That's just when God does something. That's the Spirit of God. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's a, the third person of the Godhead. But you know, there was somebody else that was present at creation. Look at Colossians chapter number 1, verse number 15. Who is the image of the invisible God? He's already talking about His dear Son. Uh, you can see that verse 13. Okay? Who is the image, though, verse 15, of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Can we pause there just for a second? This is a little bit of a side trail, but it'll only take a moment. I used to wonder, why is it important that Jesus is the firstborn? Right? And I did understand, even in junior high, I remember understanding that, okay, he's the firstborn, so we're going to follow in his footsteps. I had younger siblings. I understood that, uh, you know, even at that early age, I understood that the firstborn kind of gets experimented on when it comes to parenting. Have you ever seen like maybe a commercial or maybe you've illustrated in your own life, you know, the firstborn's birth is like, oh, oh, what's going to happen? And, and you're, you're raising, you're rearing, I know you're rear children you raise cattle but there's some crossover uh anyway that firstborn you're just like oh so careful and all this stuff by the time you get through two three four all this it's like ah they're fine you know there's just like there's just like a progression there right that firstborn is some something special you know no offense to you guys uh but uh they get a special a double blessing but they also many times have double responsibility uh, but it's even more than that. When it talks about Jesus being the firstborn, like that He may receive the glory among many brethren, what is so special about that? Okay, follow me if you would, because this really blew my mind. I really loved this when I, when, I, uh, when I figured this out, right? So, if you're an only child, do we have any onlys? I'm just curious. 
Tony Olins. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. I had good friends at college. Okay. I had good friends growing up who were only, only childs, only children, only childs, um, and were onlys. And uh, uh, they had some unique uh, opportunities that, that perhaps we didn't have. But when you start adding kids, so in other words, don't be offended at what I'm going to say. Okay, but when you start adding kids, you know, oh, there's two kids. Oh, that's, that's neat. Four kids. Hmm, that's a little above average today. Five kids. Wow, okay. Seven kids. My wife is the oldest of seven. We start thinking, wow, there's, there's extra responsibility. That's a lot. My co-writer who writes songs with me, that's why I call her a co-writer. Um, I thought that was funny. Uh, she, uh, she's the oldest of how many? That's what I thought. Thirteen. Wow, that's, that's a lot of kids, right? There's a certain idea of glory that goes to the firstborn the more siblings they have, particularly in Jewish culture. Do you follow what I'm saying? Again, if you're an only or, you've, or you come from a family of two or whatever, I'm not slighting you at all. I'm just I'm getting our minds to think here. So in other words, the more siblings Jesus has, the more glory he gets. Do you follow? So, oh, you're, you're the firstborn among many brethren. Well, more glory to the Lord. You're the firstborn among 30. You're the firstborn among 1,000. You see what? We start thinking, wow, more glory to the Lord, more glory to the Lord. That, I was like, oh, yes, that makes a lot of sense. So every time someone trusts Christ and there's a new sibling in Christ, Jesus gets more glory as the firstborn. I just think that's so cool. And, of course, there's things here. He was not a created being. Okay? Uh, let's, let's, not, uh, let's not fool ourselves there. But verse 16, in fact, not only was He not created, the Bible says, for by Him were all things created. <laughs> Jesus Christ was present at creation. Not only was He present, but by Him all things were created. All things that are, uh, that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they th- be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. So, God is Creator. He has the right to set the rules in your life. That's the first observation. The second is, because He's a loving God, (laughs) that ought to be a comfort, because He knows you intimately. But the third observation, and this is what we'll end with here in the Sunday School Hour, is the idea of what our response ought to be to him. Do you notice here in verse 17? He is before all things. We don't, we're not going to take the time to turn there. There's another passage that talks about Christ in all things that he might have the preeminence. It's the same idea. He is before all things. I understand that as we come to this passage, we might think, well, he's talking about in sense of time. He is before all things. That's certainly true. But the idea that we get about Jesus Christ is that he is to have the preeminence 
What does that mean? Well, let's make it really practical. How many of you are list makers? You know who you are. All right, amen, amen. All right. All right, my mother was a list maker before we go on trips. Make sure you remember your socks, you know, and run down this list. Well, um, I generally think that my mom and my wife are not too similar because they always say, you marry someone that reminds you of your mother and things like that, which I always thought was a little weird. But uh, I, I guess I can see some there's, some, there's some truth to that, I guess, you know, that doesn't have to be weird. But uh, one, I don't see a lot of similarities between my mother and my wife. Uh, but in this area, there is a little bit of similarity, and then they're both list makers. And my wife actually has the gift of administration. And so you can imagine, you know, the list that she can come up with. She's got a list for everything, doesn't she, guys? You know? Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. And in fact, it's kind of rubbed off on me now because the longer you're married, the more you kind of rub off on your spouse, you know? And, and so now I'm making lists. Oh, I don't make a list, you know? Well, you don't have to make a list in order of priority. But sometimes you do. All right, well, this comes before this and before this. If you're part of the Dave Ramsey, you know, plan where you're trying to get out of debt, right? We were so close. We were, we were so close, right? And then pandemic and stuff, okay? <laughs> uh, but you have to put things down in order. You can't have things sharing slot number three. It doesn't work that way. You have to put them in order. Sometimes we talk about the important things. If you were to ask me, though, who is the most important person in your life? Who would you put at list spot number one? Well, I used to say, well, Jesus would go there. And you know what? If that's what you would think and say, that it's okay, all right? I'm not trying to criticize you. But do you realize, based on this idea of him being before all things and having the preeminence, do you realize the more accurate way to think of it is that Jesus is above the list? In other words, he doesn't go in slot number one. He doesn't go in a slot. He's above the list. So now I've gone to saying, you know what? It's okay for me to say number one on my list is my wife. And then my kids follow very shortly after that. Above the list is the Lord. You know, he's above the list. So I got to ask you a question here this morning. If you really were to boil it down, and it's just between you and the Holy Spirit, who's had the preeminent spot in your life for the last year? The last month? That's a, that's a good question sometimes, isn't it? There's different ways that we can check our priorities, too. We can look at our checkbook, if any of you still use a checkbook register, right? You can also check online, too, if you use the electronic. I'm kind of that bridge generation. Um, and uh, I'm not necessarily recommending these. Please don't be offended. But they, there's a sub-generation that grew up analog and went into the digital world. And it's the ones uh, called the, oh, they're called the Exennials. That's what it is. I like to research this kind of stuff. But it's a sub-generation born between the original Star Wars trilogy. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Don't be offended. Okay, between 1977 and it was in 1984. I think it's 1984. All right, so those who were born, and I'm born in 1977. So, you know, I lived through the analog. I grew up analog, but then the digital world came, came around. And so some of us have learned... Like some of you think, oh yeah, I always do my finances all online. Checkbook register, what is that? 
right? But however you do it, and you see where your financial priorities are, well, sometimes that can reveal what's preeminent on the list. But when we get everything in place, and we remember that, hey, He created me, He deserves to be above the list, everything else lines up. You know how I can be the best father that I can possibly be? It's not to make my kids number one on the list. It's to keep Christ above the list. That's what they need to see in me. You know how I can be the best husband I can possibly be? Oh, I can have my wife as number one on the list, but Christ better be preeminent. He, mu- he better be above the list in my life. That's how I can be the best father, the best husband, the best uh, minister of the Gospel, the best musician I can possibly be, uh, uh, the, the best uh, citizen. Honestly, right? I want to be a good citizen. I, I have a burden for, for my country. Christ's got to have the preeminence. As we close here in Sunday school, I know it's Sunday school hour. <laughs> and uh, maybe we're not supposed to get too preachy in the Sunday school hour. Right? <laughs> You're going to find out, by the way, this is me. This is who I am. It's just, this is my personality. Okay? I've got enough time. Can I share with you something that's just, it's a little bit off track, but you'll, you'll understand, I think. Okay? I'm throwing this in here for free. I, I took one of these spiritual gifts tests, you know. This is a number of years ago. My kids are already smiling because they know how this goes. But I, I wanted one of the cool gifts. I'm not talking about tongues. Because <laughs> that's, that's what, okay. Oh, that will take me off track. Talk about the gifts for today, right? The spiritual gifts. And, uh, you know, maybe I'll get a cool one. Like, my dad's a teacher. You know, that's his primary gift. My, my mom's his prophet. <laughs> Not prophetic, but as far as black and white and declaring the truth. See, the right or it's wrong. Right? I thought, man, I'm going to get one of those cool. Well, something came out of my spiritual gifts test and was with a pastor. He's now with the Lord and he gave it by hand and it took like 45 minutes and all this. I came out with mercy. I would, pastor, I was so discouraged. Mercy? What? I'm an evangelist. Preach the truth. You know, I want one of those. One of those gifts. Mercy. I talked to my pastor, Dr. Dan Dickerson, longtime pastor. He's still my pastor. I said, Pastor, I got the gift of mercy. He said, So do I. I said, Well, how do you, how do you deal with that? He said, That you know what that means, Ben? That means you go into churches and don't rip them apart as an evangelist, because some evangelists can do that. Why did I bring that up? The reason I brought that up is that when I put Christ as preeminent above the list, I can show the mercy of Him without fearing that I'm going to compromise the truth. Does that make sense? Because the challenge for a mercy is to shade the truth. That's the challenge. The challenge for a prophet is the opposite, that there's so much truth and you don't put the love in there. The challenge for a mercy is all love and no truth. Right? That's the challenge. But when I put Christ at the top, 
where he's above the list, everything else lines up. So even our giftings, even our personalities, Christ was the perfect embodiment of all the spiritual gifts and all the personality types. People get all into that, right? The more I'm like Christ, the more that the special gifts he's given me can shine and the weaknesses I have are are improved and I grow to be more like him. But only if he is above the list. How many of you have ever ridden a bike before? All right, how many of you know what a bike is? All right. I don't know a whole lot about biking. I used to bike all around town back in the day in high school, you know, or junior high and in early high school before I had a driver's license, right? I do know this, though, about bikes. A bicycle wheel can only have one hub. It can't have more than one. It's kind of like the idea of Christ having the preeminence. Is he the hub of your life? Does everything in your life revolve around him? There are good things that make good spokes. Family's a good spoke. <laughs> a spouse is a good spoke. Uh, uh, pursuing a, a, a career that the Lord wants you to have, and that's, those are all good spokes, but they make terrible hubs. I don't want to center my, wife, my life around my wife. I want to center it around Christ. And everything else will fall into place. Just a reminder for us this morning. I'd like every head bowed, every eye closed. Again, I know it's Sunday school hour, but maybe we can just take just a moment and think about this. Would you just ask the Lord, Lord, reveal to me my priority list. Sometimes we may think we've got things in a certain order, but then the Holy Spirit reveals, ooh, I've, I've, put Christ, I've taken Christ out of his place in my life. We can't ever unlord him he always is the lord but are we recognizing that maybe here this morning say brother ben i needed that i I won't point you out or embarrass you that's not that's not who i am but if you'd acknowledge that for the lord i needed that this morning would you pray for me would you simply slip your hand up put it down yeah amen amen yes amen i raise my hand with you amen 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 dear lord thank you for the truth of your word thank you for making us Thank you for loving us. Lord, help us to keep you at the top of the list, above the list, Lord, in our lives. Bless us in the service to come. Lord, we ask in your name I pray. Amen.